lot has happened in the world of Star Wars in the last week or two. When we spoke about doing this episode last week, we jokingly said, oh, maybe we'll have a Lego Star Wars trailer to talk about. We also had the, the release of the Mandalorian gallery. I can't believe we've manifested a uh, announcement into the world. It's going to be, I think, yeah, the best Lego game ever. Hello there and welcome to episode 21 of Live from Vader's Castle. Today we've got a bit of a news roundup slash state of the galaxy update slash video game hyping up slash reacting to trailers episodes. We've got it all today and as always I'm joined by my co-host John Lee. Hello there Dan. How are we doing this fine evening? Yeah I'm good I'm good Uh, I'm ready for the ready for the weekend very excited for the bank holiday and uh (laughs) Excited to discuss Star Wars at the moment. That's it's a classic. Quite an exciting week, actually. I was going to say. I was just. Before, I was just going to say that's an that's a classic John Lee response. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't, we didn't uh, record on a Friday. Me. We didn't record on a Friday last week, so we didn't have it. But this week, we're back to the Friday and to the oh, buzzing for the weekend. Yeah, it's like I just don't want to be at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's very draining, but. Alas, here we are. Here Star we are. Wars has hyped me up, so let's go. Exactly. And as as you were saying, a lot has happened in the world of Star Wars in the last week or two. Um, we've had some new trailers, we've had some announcements, we've had a new behind the scenes special on Disney Plus, and uh, and we're gonna talk about all of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to uh to get into it. I mean, I think we did one of these probably right at the start of our podcast career. Um, so it'd be nice to see where we're at now and just discuss the exciting things that are coming up in Star Wars. Because, I mean, we've just had the hype of the Bad Batch, you know, like such things like that. And it's always nice to see what we've got to look forward to in the coming weeks, plus then look forward to in the coming months uh, and further on. There's always something with Star Wars. I think that's that's the golden era that we're living in at the moment is it's week to week, month to month. There's always something to look forward to. Um, you know, for people who are complete canon junkies and trying to keep up with absolutely everything, there's literally something every week. And then if you're, if you're just trying to keep up with as much as you physically can fit in your diary, it's you still every month got something new to keep up with. So that's the, the, the glory of modern Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very helpful that you've got like a, a billion dollar corporation that's like pumped, that wants to just pump out as many, many things as possible to make their money. Uh, so shout out to Disney for keeping keeping our wallets thin and our uh, li- our hearts enlightened with Star Wars. Yeah, and, and, and the mouse we trust. Um, I think this is, this is quite funny because when we spoke about doing this episode last week, we jokingly said, oh, Maybe we'll have a Lego Star Wars trailer to talk about. We, we said it real tongue in cheek because we didn't think we'd have a Lego Star Wars trailer ever because we were just under the impression this game was never happening. Happening, But lo and behold, <laughs> we actually did get a Lego Star Wars trailer um, on Wednesday at Gamescom. They dropped the new Lego Star Wars trailer, which had gameplay in it, which we didn't have gameplay in that original trailer, which dropped a thousand years ago when the game was supposed to release. And we've got a new release date. A new trailer, spring 2022, hopefully no more delays. What are you thinking about Lego Star Wars? Oh, yeah. I mean, first off, I can't believe we've manifested a uh, announcement into the world. Uh, I mean, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It was, it was a very chunning, chunning, tongue-in-cheek comment being like, oh, mate, you know, maybe we'll have something to talk about with Lego Star Wars because it had been dry and, the, you know, when do we pre-order it? Like November last year? Yeah, I feel I think, like something like that. I think I pre-ordered it before I had my PS5. <laughs> so it was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. And now we've finally got a little bit of news. Um, see, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I didn't watch it live because sadly I was at work, but I, got, I watched it when I got in the trailer and the announcement and stuff and it's got me hyped. Um, and I'm, to be honest, the way my, my weeks and months are going, I'm sure it will come in absolutely no time. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> it's almost September. So by the time spring comes around, I'm sure it's all going to blink of an eye. So <laughs> thank the Lord we have some news for Lego Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, I'm still a bit disappointed that the release date is so far away. I was like, when I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh yeah, come on, 
a couple of months, October. Let's go. Let's just like drop it soon. Spring 2022 feels like a long time, considering this game was meant to come out in spring 2021. Um, and that was the first delay. I think the original release date was like summer 2020. So it's been delayed nearly two years now. However, this does look like a pretty huge Lego game in terms of scale. I would much rather them release a finished, perfectly polished game and then start giving us DLC instead of releasing a mess of a game, spending a year fixing it, and then finally getting around to DLC, like a lot of games recently have had issues with. So whilst I'm disappointed that we're going to have to wait quite a long time, as you said, it'll be here in no time, and it does look like a very, very impressive Lego game. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what it is. I knew this was coming. It was like, I can't remember when it was. It must have been like this time last year or something. They had, or it must have been before that, actually. They had one of those game conventions or something. And they, you know, you could could go in and like play like a little level for like 10 minutes or something. And then like you gave your feedback afterwards. And I remember watching a video about it. And one of like the biggest complaints this guy was saying that they had with the game was like, the dialogue was obviously, you know, now that it's, you know, Lego games on old, like we used to play like the original Lego Star Wars. It was, all, it was a lot of grunting and stuff like that. And people after playing the new one and that demo were saying like, oh, you know, we wish like, that we could change back to having like the grunting and stuff like that. Like, cause obviously now they have like actual dialogue and the guy on the game devs that it was been interviewed was like, oh, you know, I think we're going to spend some time and, you know, put, go back through the game and make sure that that option, like I think in like the main menu, you'll be able to like switch back to that grunting dialogue option. So I reckon that is, they must have been like, yeah, we'll do that. And it's actually put on like a shit ton of workload for them. They didn't realize how long it's going to take. So I reckon that is something to do with this delay. I think, yeah. I mean, I think obviously the pandemic's probably been a major factor, you know, having to shift all their working to homework in, which I imagine has been a real handful for any game company, but I imagine this one as well. Um, and then, yeah, I think it sounds like a massively ambitious game. I mean, just from that trailer, um, the fact that it looks a lot more open world than any Lego game that we've ever played has been. I mean, the fact that you can sort of open up the map and there's 20 odd different planets on there from from the franchise and you, it looks like you can just fast travel to any planet and then just start exploring it instead of it being the traditional levels like it is typically in, in a Lego game. It's actually like open worlds which clearly is a, you know, is a much bigger um, endeavour than sort of the typical platforming that Lego games normally are. So I can understand why it's taking them a bit of time. And, you know, if we're sitting here in nine months' time playing what is the best Lego game, the best Star Wars game ever made, then, you know, it's probably worth the wait. Yeah, I mean, it does actually look really nice as well, like just from the the brief gameplay clips we got in that like two-minute, that three minute trailer did actually look like really good like yeah obviously you gotta compare it in like in your head while you're watching the trailer in the back of your mind you're like comparing it to like the original lego star wars and like stuff so it looks stunning you know like and i think they've added as you say they've added a lot of uh like the open world stuff and i think you know they've added a lot of more in-depth options of like uh blaster firing and like combat and stuff like that and I think, you know, they really have made it like really ambitious. They're really going for it and being like, all right, I suppose this is like the Skywalker saga. This is all like main Star Wars things. So, you know, you've got to go for it. And I think, I think they have from what we've seen so far. And I think by the time the game comes out, it's going to be, I think, yeah, the best Lego game ever, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you can even see from the trailer, like, there's a shot with, like, Leia leaning in, blasting the stormtroopers. Like, to me, that looked like there was more in there, like, more aiming involved than just sort of typically in Lego. We just sort of spammed shoot. And then Luke fighting Vader, that looked like a bit more lightsaber combat involved there than just the, well, yeah, just sort of the standard that you're usually used to in the Lego game. So, yeah, it looks like they've really gone all in for it and then obviously some of the flying levels look really cool as well flying the falcon about um so yeah it definitely looks like they've upped the game which is which is good that's what's what you want it's what you want yeah i mean as you said i'd much rather wait a little bit longer and get like a a decent game off the bat that has all the things they've promised plus you know obviously a few extra bits i'm sure they'll add in then they can get like straight into the dlc and things like that um 
then you know as we've had with like uh off the top of my head let's just say it stars battlefront 2 uh where you know it came out and then that spent a whole lot of time fixing it and then you know push back their workload so then they ended up you know they couldn't put stuff in that they wanted to in their time frame so yeah i'd, I'd rather just wait to be honest i mean it'll come out and it'll be unreal so yeah, it's fine <laughs> yeah i'm particularly looking forward to um like playing through Firstly, playing through sort of like the reimagined and remastered original trilogy and prequel um, films, because obviously I've played, you know, the, the complete saga, which at the time was one to six. I've played that and Lego and I love that. So I'm looking forward to playing them remastered, but I'm also really looking forward to playing like the sequels as well. I never played Lego Force Awakens when that came out. And obviously Last Jedi and um, Rise of Skywalker has never had any Lego ad- adaptation. Um, particularly excited to play Last Jedi. I thought some of the Last Jedi stuff in there looked really cool. Like the Kylo Luke showdown looked really awesome in Lego form. So yeah, just I'm I'm really excited for it. I think the uh, and then already the the DLC possibilities are spinning in my head. You know, it's got to be a Rogue One DLC. It's got to be a Solo DLC. It's got to be a Mandalorian DLC. It's got to be a Clone Wars DLC. I mean, come on, they yeah. could be they could be milking this cash cow for years. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, yeah, exactly. Like, they, you know, it seems like they put like a serious amount of time and effort into this game. So I'd be very surprised if, you know, by the end product, like the finished, you know, with all the DLC in like two, three years, I'd be very surprised if like it literally doesn't include like every single piece of like Star Wars multimedia that we have, you know, like Clone Wars, Rebels, Solo, Mando. Like, I'd be very surprised if they don't add all of that um, because, you know, they spent this much time making there's nine films uh it's gonna obviously gonna make them a lot of money so adding in that dlc i think it's just a no-brainer i'd yeah, be plus, very surprised if they don't yeah plus i mean lucasfilm's pumping out new star wars stuff every year i mean they've literally got an endless supply of like 10 pound dlcs that they could add to the game you know if they've spent all this time building a brilliant perfect base game and then they just keep on adding these dlcs for a tenner and then it's like the book of boba fett dlc it's the bad batch dlc it's the obi-wan kenobi show dlc i mean yeah they're potentially the money there that they can be milking for years and years and years and it's never going to run out so um maybe that's why they're taking so long on this game because they really want it to be like a base game that they just essentially has like an endless life service in the way that a game like Fortnite has had like an endless life service, like, you know, a Lego Star Wars game, which constantly updates whether you pay for it or not with, you know, new um, campaigns based on whatever new content is dropping. I think that's a, that's certainly a bit of money to be made. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, not that I know anything about game development or like marketing or anything, but I'd be very surprised if that's not like the route they're going to go down. It's just, you know, perfect the, you know, like the, the base model, I suppose, and then just like keep adding to it for years to come. Cause I think, yeah, exactly. Cause you can easily like entice people with like, yeah, quick 10 deals, 10 pound DLC here, quick 10 pound DLC here, maybe like a more expensive one for like the whole Clone Wars, but then chucking like an extra tenors one for like a couple of rarer like characters, you know, like they always do um, for Lego games. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the base game that comes out. I'm, even more excited for some of the extra DLCs because they obviously have some of the more, well, some obviously the stuff that's not in the Skywalker saga films. Um, so I think I'm going to end up spending a lot of money on this game in a couple of years, like in total, probably. I mean, it's already like 60 quid to buy on PS5. So it's going to be, uh, I reckon it's going to, I'm going to predict now I'm going to end up spending at least another like 60 quid on DLC within like a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I also love the trailer. I mean, the fact that they they used the Force Awakens trailer music. I mean, like beat for beat, the song was exactly the same as the Force Awakens trailer. Which, even though the Force Awakens is not my favorite Star Wars film, that is my favorite Star Wars trailer. Is the Force Awakens trailer that used the exact same music as this Lego Star Wars trailer used? So immediately, I was watching it. I was like, oh, I'm just. I'm, I'm vibing with this. What, why am I? And then I realised it's like, oh, this is the Force Awakens trailer music, and it's got the bit I always talk about with the Han Solo and the princess theme kicking in. And I was like, oh yes, what a trailer! So yeah, I am. Um, I appreciated the choice of music there. Yeah, it was very good. I mean, I think it's been worth the wait. And the announcement we got, I think, 
Yeah, while it's a bit disappointing with um, the release date being, you know, not quite as soon as we hoped, I think, to be honest, it's, it's piqued my interest. And I, I think I have every faith in the game developers that when they do eventually release it in hopefully spring, like we'll say early spring, early spring 2022, it's going to be everything that they promised and more. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's gone shot right up my list as one of my, antici- my most anticipated games of the next couple of years. I'm really, really excited for it. So, um, yeah, what went as a perfectly reasonable tongue-in-cheek comment about us not getting any Lego Star Wars news? We've got some. <laughs> We're both excited for it. The trailer was great. The gameplay looks really, really good, really new. It's going to be fun to play all nine films and uh yeah can't wait for it yeah i mean shall we go on to the next bit of star wars news that has come out this week well, yeah. I think the same, was it the same day i think well yeah so on wednesday we also had the the release of the mandalorian gallery special episode which is the making of the finale or very specifically just the making of Luke Skywalker being in the finale. Obviously we originally had the Mandalorian season two had did that sort of hour and a half gallery special that came out. I think it was like Christmas day or something like that. Um, but they waited <laughs> eight months um, understandably, to, you know, cause I don't think they would have wanted anything leaking. So they wouldn't have even wanted to risk a behind the scenes leak of, of a behind the scenes video leak. So they've waited a while to drop this special but um, this was a special talking all about how they delivered on Luke Skywalker's appearance in the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Um, so we both watched it this week and we're just going to briefly catch up what our thoughts on the on the special was. I personally love a little bit of behind the scenes Star Wars stuff. I could watch these gallery episodes forever. So, um, yeah, John, why don't you tell us what were your, what were your thoughts, your takeaways from this, from this special episode? Well, I mean, I thought it was... Um... I thought it was really interesting, to be honest. Um, the amount of just seemed like sheer, like, I don't know how to put it, like hassle almost, or like just sheer stress that obviously such a big reveal um, seemed to cause the the uh, production team and everything was really fascinating to hear about and like the lengths they were going to, to like try and keep this a secret, obviously, you know, in this day and age, you know, as Mark Hamill even said in the, in the, um, in the documentary, we were saying like, all it takes is like one person like looking at the film or developing the film somewhere or something to like, you know, get out his phone, jump on Twitter and then tweet about it and it's leaked and that's viral like straight away. Like it's so hard to contain these sort of spoilers and like instant news these days that um yeah, I can understand why they were so stressed and worried and mm. did the lengths they went to to keep it a secret. I am honestly like I thought it when it came out. Uh, the the program the um episode I was like I was stunned then about how they managed to keep this a secret for so long <laughs> yeah like because that is one of the biggest like news points of like multimedia is yeah. like Luke Skywalker's in this episode of the Mandalorian particularly like, because Boba Fett leaked Ahsoka leaked Bo Katan uh-huh. leaked Cobb Vamp from the first episode leaked like we knew so much of who was going to be in season two. I mean, John Favreau even said it himself in this documentary, like all of this stuff was leaking and they were like, okay, we're not that bothered. Please don't leak Luke. Like, please could it all be Luke? And then he said like they were holding their breath up until the episode actually dropped and they were just so surprised that it didn't. And I'm equally surprised too. I mean, the, the fact that we sort of found out all these major plot points of the thing before it came out because it was leaking left, right and centre. But the one thing that they were desperate to keep secret did stay secret. I mean, I didn't even hear of people talking about Plo Koon being in it, which was obviously their big tactic <laughs> to throw people off was that it was actually going to be Plo Koon, which I thought was hilarious. I don't, I mean, I imagine you probably got excited at that, John, being a big Plo Koon fan yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something me and Dave share in a share in common there, like big Plo Koon fans. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that watching the documentary because obviously they're, um, I don't know, like Canary, if you will, like Dummy was like Plo Koon in the scripts. And like they, had, they even said they had like some post stuff with Plo Koon and like some production things with Plo Koon just to, I don't know, like test the waters or like use them as a dummy. But yeah, I didn't even see any of that leaking. So I, I guess the, the team they used was like watertight. And, um, or I've just completely missed 
I feel like I would have seen Plo Koon. Yeah, no, it didn't, yeah, it didn't leak. I think it was just a really small team who worked mm. on this one scene and an even smaller scene that a group of people who knew it was actually Luke and not Plo Koon. So I think, yeah, I think there must have just been people that they absolutely trusted was not going to leak it to a journalist, um, which I mean is impressive. I have to hats off to all of them. I'm keeping their mouth shut because it made the impact so much stronger. Yeah. I mean, would I have liked to have seen Plo Koon as well? I mean, part of me is like, yes. But then, because <laughs> obviously I love, I love Plo Koon. Like I've mentioned before, I do love Plo Koon. Um, and like seeing him in that hallway scene, I reckon would have been almost as magical for me personally. Um, but I think it's just, I would have had, I would have spent too much time afterwards being like, this just makes no sense. <laughs> like, the man got blind to smithereens. Yeah. But I know it's like fantasy, but this is taking it too far. Um, I'm sure one day you're going to get the Dave Filoni directed Plo Koon show set before the prequels of just him picking up Ahsoka and going on an adventure. It's going to happen one day. I'm sure it is. Oh God, I hope so. That that would have been, that will be unbelievable if that ever dropped. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it made me laugh at one point. They were talking about the guy doing the deep fakes for, um, they were deciding whether to use deep fakes and I like, had a guy in a room testing it out and they were, they said that they even like locked him and they literally locked him in the room so that no one, obviously no one could get in and no, and he couldn't like leave to like go spread the word about what he was doing. So like, they, they were taking this shit seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was worth it. Um, I mean, the, the, I just have to talk about just Mark Hamill. Like, obviously we saw when the the episode came out, it said Mark Hamill's name in the credits, but I always saw that and was just like, oh, yeah, they're just crediting Mark Hamill because it's Mark Hamill's character. I didn't, never had thought that he would have actually been on set, not just like playing Luke, but also delivering the dialogue. I know they synthesised the dialogue, but, you know, they were basing everything off of an actual Mark Hamill performance. And A, just seeing that, was awesome. I love Mark Hamill. Just seeing Mark Hamill still be able to play Luke Skywalker, even in his older, in his twilight years of his life. Um, and the joy you could see on his face when he was holding Grogu in his hands, in his Luke Skywalker robes, um, sort of in his back garden. Oh, it was so nice to see. I love Mark Hamill. He's an absolute treasure and he deserves this. It was really nice that they, you know, we had the technology to go and actually approach, you know, the, the original Luke Skywalker and, and be like, hey, we want you to do this. Like obviously, knowing obviously Mark's knowing that they're gonna even. I think he even said that when they approached him, John was like, "We're going to be using probably the same technology as like the Marvel films or something." So it's nice that yeah, they, we had the technology to get him in it because that obviously adds um, makes it even more heartfelt. And you know, it's is. I think he enjoys it as much as we do the fans. So that's really nice for him, you know. And it's nice that. Or it's a real testament, I suppose, to the Mandalorian show and like John Favreau and Dave Filoni and everyone else that works on it. That it's like, you know, that Mark Hamill obviously read sat read the script when they went to his house and was like, "Yep, this is what I want. I want to be in this. This is this good that I want to, you know, return and just." He, I suppose because yeah, he, he's not even going to get the credit, I suppose. Um, watch after watching it straight away because you just assume that it's like a stand in, and then they've just. Um, you know, deep faked it or whatever. So it's nice that he's just, he just wants to be there. Like it's, it's that good that he just wants to be part of it like, yeah. in that way and made that episode, you know, it's that, the episode was that good that he's just like, I have to be there, you know, in person to do this and have to go through what seemed like dreadful amount of hours of just like, you know, what was it? They like, he had to go in, do a scene or do a, like a take and then go sit in like, what was it? That egg thing? Yeah. The they called it, they then, call it the egg, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then literally do the scene again, so so they could scan his face with the lights and everything to make sure that their their render at the end was like perfect. So like the the amount of work that it put that they all put in for it, and yeah, I'm just really glad that Mark got to be a part of it. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you see, he was saying at one point, wasn't he? Like, like he said after Empire Strikes Back, he was joking with George Lucas and being like, "Well, you know, that's the end of it now. Uh, <laughs> like, no more Luke Skywalker for me." Which is just it's really sad, I suppose. You know, the fans want to see, wanted to see Luke in his prime, you know, right after Empire Strike, or Return of the Jedi, sorry. 
um, right after Return of the Jedi. Everyone wanted to see Luke in his prime and like what those stories were. And I think Mark Hamill himself, you know, wanted that and wanted to live out those stories. So it's, it's nice that he gets to come back and at least do one in The Mandalorian and, and have, yeah. you know, the emotional and um, connection to that. You know, he was saying that everyone on Twitter... Well, like the emotional response he got from that was was lovely, and I think I think he enjoys it as much as we do. So it's nice to have him in for that. Yeah, I mean, it's clear, you know, Luke Skywalker means so much to Mark Hamill, sort of as much as it means to you know all the fans. And you know, obviously, a film like Last Jedi is divisive, and you know, you can clip all these comments of Mark Hamill saying he disagreed with Luke in the film, and then you can find the clips of him saying he changed his mind when he saw the film, and it's actually his second favorite Star Wars film. And you can decide where he's telling the truth or not. But I genuinely believe that any opportunity Mark has to come back and play Luke, he'll take it in an instant because you know that character is very special to him, and it's just nice to see him being able to play a different version of Luke and a Luke that he probably thought he would never play because of his age now you know physically isn't 30 anymore (laughs) so yes it was great to see and you know I just love that their first thought was well we need to speak to Mark Hamill just shows how much they respect the man yeah I mean what I thought was really nice was like obviously John and um was it Dave I think you know went to his house with you know the with a little puppet of Grogu um with the scripts and you know wanted obviously it wasn't just like all right mark you're in for this i need to bring you down and do this like you know took in the script and was like asking his permission almost sort of thing you know is this worthy enough for you to come and be in it which i think was really nice and just shows how much you know respect that like someone like john favreau and dave fang and two of the biggest like directors and producers in star wars at the moment have for mark hamill you know, who to be honest, just seems like a lovely bloke too. <laughs> you know, like yeah, Mark fact- Hamill is the nicest man alive. I just, I, I would give anything to chat with him for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like the, and I think yeah, John saying like even just going down, you know, you, you feel like you get used to seeing this sort of like you know these Star Wars legends like in person when you start directing like the Mandalorian or like being on shows like you know the MCU as John Favreau is and stuff like that. You get used to that sort of stuff. But he was saying that. Deep down, you know, we're all still fanboys and he gets just as excited going down to like Luke Skywalker's house uh, to like, give him a script that he's written just as like, anyone would, which I think is a, a nice touch. And it's nice that they're yeah. brutally honest about it. And like, yeah. you know, they, they love it as much as we do as the fans. So that's, that's nice to hear. I particularly liked the John Favreau was like, you know, he was quite emotional filming it, but it wasn't until R2 arrived that he actually like broke down in tears because like John, for John Favreau, R2's like his the character which he connected most to as a child and means the most to him. And when Dave was like, oh yeah, R2's got to be there, obviously. And John Favreau was like, really? Like the little kid inside of him. So I thought that was so nice that like, even when he was talking about it in the interview, you could still see him like welling up, just like thinking about R2. And it just, you know, there's all, yeah, so there's always going to be those characters that, for, you know, for certain people, it's just going to absolutely like, you know, send them off just seeing them, you know, for for me, it would be if they DH DH Harrison Ford and then did like a post Return of the Jedi something with Han. I mean, that would floor me just like seeing Han Solo again. Um, so I think it's nice that like for, for John, it was just seeing R two, and I thought that was a that was a sweet moment. Yeah, I mean, and it was really nice as well that Dave, you know, uh, that Dave showed us in the documentary afterwards that he, like he drew him a little. Like a little drawing on like a almost like a little like a napkin or just like a bit of paper. <laughs> yeah. R2 meeting Grogu. And I was saying that's you know, that's really nice. And it's nice that they have a nice relationship like that. And then and that that's why I feel like makes Dave Filoni like such a great producer and like director, you know, for the work he's done in Star Wars is that he completely understands like the emotional connection that people get with like characters and scenes and stuff. You know, it, that he he knew exactly like as soon as uh, R2 was going to be in it, John Favreau's reaction. And I think he just knows that in general for like every character in Star Wars, every there's like a person out there in the world that has that connection to that character, whether it be like Ahsoka, you know, like Luke Skywalker or like a character that some people might even describe as like, you know, a real like behind the scenes, like B-list character such as R2. He knows that um, there's always people like John Favreau who have this commo- emotional connection to them that just seeing them in that scene 
you know, it just brings up tears in John Favreau's eyes, the pure emotional connection to that. And I think that's what makes him perfect for the roles that he's in at the moment, Dave Filoni, mm, and like yeah. the, the work he's doing is because he completely understands that for every character and every person watching the yeah. shows or films he's producing. Yeah, definitely. And I think what was really great about this this episode is it really showed that everyone who works on Star Wars at the moment in Lucasfilm, from John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, all the, you know, Peyton Reed, the director, all the sort of amazing visual effects team that they've got, they all just like, they care so much and they have so much passion and they are all just massive Star Wars fans as well, like us. And it did give me a lot of comfort just seeing all these people who actually care so deeply about not just making a product, but making something that like a story that connects with fans. Um, and I just have to mention, obviously, like the the bit in the in the episode where John Favreau just went off about talking how great Kathy Kennedy was, and I just imagine <laughs> all these like really sad, toxic boys just being like, "It's not true. She's evil," uh, which made me laugh. But obviously, it just goes to show that she's creating an environment that John and Dave can really, you know, deliver on the great Star Wars they've been given us. And I think when people say like oh she needs to leave and john and dave need to take over it's like no because her job is a producer she's handling the business we don't want john and dave to handle business we want them to be writing beautiful stories so i just think the relationship that's going on there with her helping facilitate and then them delivering and then everyone else from vfx to directors to actors are all just so passionate about it i think they've got a good environment at luke's film at the moment and i think this this little documentary just really I was already comfortable with where Lucasfilm and Star Wars was at the moment, but I think this little documentary just made me feel even more so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people that complain about Kathleen Kennedy like don't actually understand what her job is. Like, you know, or don't yeah, actually don't. understand yeah. what, yeah, what Dave Filoni and John... Yeah, you don't, they don't understand what, one, Kathleen Kennedy's job is, and, like, two, what John Favreau and Dave Filoni's job is. You know, like, as much as John Favreau and Dave Filoni are, like absolutely like brilliant at like the creative side and like writing scripts and making programs and stuff all right yeah i reckon if you know if you gave dave filoni kathleen kennedy's job he'd probably like quit within a week you know it's just it's not what he's it's it's not what he wants to do it's not what he's passionate about yeah exactly he's a storyteller You, you need someone at the helm like Kathleen Kennedy to be like, yep, yeah, like for John Favreau and definitely to come to her and be like, all right, we've got an idea for this. Like, do you think it would work? And she, you know, she's either going like, yes, go and do that. Or like, yes, but change a few things or just, you know, no, if she doesn't think it's going to work. And, you know, I mean, we've been saying over the last, however, you know, 21 episodes of this podcast, you know, we talk so highly about so many Star Wars things and like pretty much everything we talk about, I'm going to assume and like love in Star Wars over the last few years, you know, she's approved or like had a hand in and stuff. So if you think she's the worst thing to happen to Star Wars since, uh, I don't know, like whatever, like you clearly don't understand what her job is and you clearly don't understand Mm. like what her day-to-day roles are and like how she impacts the world of Star Wars. Yeah. I also just find that people are like, oh, Dave Filoni's the chosen one because he trained under George without realizing that Kathleen Kennedy was literally training under George Lucas from before Dave Filoni even worked at Lucasfilm. Like she's been there since like, I think it was, I think she started working under George Lucas in Indiana Jones. And then she's been there ever since. Like she's like part of, you know, she's, she's been training under George Lucas for, for years in the business running the, the company sense, as opposed to the creative sense, like, you know, and carrying on the legacy and the stories and stuff like Dave. But yeah, I think that all the hatred there is just based off of a couple people making clickbait articles that the sequel trilogy was a disaster because she intervened, you know, which isn't true, obviously. Um, but we'll, we'll step away from all that, all that toxic nonsense. I think the only last thing that I want to talk about in this gallery, just a brief little thing to talk about, was that John Favreau made a comment that like, you know, the technology is obviously not perfect yet, but in a couple of years' time, we aren't going to be able to tell the difference anymore. Firstly, it was nice to them to acknowledge that <clears throat> Luke wasn't perfect. I mean, I was impressed with what they did, but obviously the mouth was a little bit off. You could tell that it was deep faked, even though it was still impressive, but it wasn't perfect. It didn't take me out of the moment, but, you know, you noticed it. But it was interesting that, you know, John was like, yeah, and 
couple of years time, you're not going to be able to recognize the difference, which to me suggests that this is not the last time that they're going to use this technology. It's basically fair game now. You know, if they want, if they want to do a show about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon back when they were, you know, pre Phantom Menace, they just get Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor back and then use this de-aging and deep faking technology and then they can easily do it. So it's, you know, people will question the morality of it, but at the end of the day, if you've been in a Star Wars film, they own your likeness (laughs) and we want stories. (laughs) So I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think it was, I I agree, you know, it was nice of them to acknowledge, you know, sorry, like a, a passing comment, I suppose that, you know, it's the technology where it's at the moment isn't perfect and their Luke wasn't perfect and what well, did look very good and, like, you got to take your hats off to everyone who works on it. You know, there's there's only so far you're going to get with the technology at the moment. So it was nice of them to even just make, like, a passing comment and acknowledge the fact that it wasn't, you know, like, 100% undis, undis, um, undistinguishable from, like, a, a person's face, you know. As that woman, uh, I can't remember what her name was, one of the VFX artists, you know, like every person like walking this planet is like an expert on the human face. You know, like we've all seen millions, if not billions of faces by the time we reach like our age, you know, like we walk past people every day and, you know, so it's not, di- it's difficult to render a human face like perfectly. So it's nice of them to acknowledge that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, oh, I'm just wondering how long it's going to take, to be honest, for them to, get to the point where it is like wow like that actually looks like Liam Neeson from like four years ago um and I think Disney are going to be the ones definitely one of like the the first ones I think to get get it as perfect as possible so obviously they own pretty much everything and have like an unlimited amount of money it seems so if technology is there they will be using it yeah I imagine the adventures of Luke Skywalker and Grogu TV show is probably only two or three years away. And I can imagine they'll probably just have Mark Hamill. They'll probably pay him like 10 mil to be on set for the entire shoot being Luke. And then they'll just digitally de-age him for an entire six episode show. And I don't even think that's a unlikely um, scenario at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think as soon as it does come into effect, um, or like it gets good enough to a point where yeah, Disney feel comfortable like pumping out shows using it because I mean it was literally like a, a five minute use in the Mandalorian because I think any longer and you would start to lose the magic of it. Um, well, I mean they're even saying that like they had to add all this stuff in the background of the scene to make it more believable, you know. So I think as soon as the point where like they don't need that stuff anymore and you literally can just watch the entire show, I think that'll be that'll be like the next golden era of Star Wars where it'll be like shows galore of all the things we wanted to see that we couldn't just because actors have got too old or, you know, died or something sad like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so we jump on to the Visions trailer. Yes. I mean, I literally have just finished watching it like before we started recording this podcast. So it's fresh in my mind. I think this actually came out last week, I think. But yeah. we had an episode planned for last week, so we didn't quite pick up on it. But we thought we'd have a little talk about it. Um, Star Wars Visions, if you don't know what it is, is the new anime anthology series, which is going to be nine episodes of small short films, I think, from my understanding, made by different Japanese anime studios. It's not going to be strictly canon. Basically, these anime studios have been told, make a Star Wars thing do whatever you want. Um, Don't worry about canon. Um, And that's what Visions is going to be. It comes out next month, so it's not that far away. And we got the proper trailer for it. Um, So you've just seen it minutes ago, John. What did you think? Um, First off, I've not seen many anime things or um, Japanese anime things, should I say. But it feels, the stuff I have seen, it, it does feel like, directly at home with that sort of stuff you know the vibe that vibe is present straight away not just you know obviously with the dialogue and that sort of stuff but like the the it seems like the whole themes of it is very um it fits in well with that like anime sort of the storylines they tend to tell and that sort of um genre which i think is very nice and it's i think it's going to be really refreshing to see 
different takes on like the Star Wars universe and like aspects like the Force and like stuff and how like a different culture is going to tell those stories. I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, and I hope mm-hmm. that it gets, you know, I think I just kind of hope that it doesn't get swept under the rug by a lot of people because it is um, different than what they're used to. So I hope that a lot mm-hmm. of people watch it and I appreciate the the different storytelling um, nuances from other parts of the world. I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. And two, it just looks, to be honest, it just looks absolutely like mental. Like, <laughs> looks so good. Like some of the lightsabers and lightsaber fights that they even had in like the trailers and some of the force stuff they showed and just like that trailer I thought was really cool. Like, I think there was one shot where one of the characters is like caught a lightsaber. It was like the classic, like, you know, like Japanese, you know, when people like catch samurai swords in between their hands before it hits their face. But like someone was <laughs> yeah. using the force to do it on a lightsaber. And I thought that looks unreal. Like, why have we never, like, we might have seen it before in the past, but like, that is, why not people not do that more often? That is unreal. And like, I'm just excited <laughs> to see the, you know, like, sometimes in anime, like, in my personal taste, they take it just like slightly too far with like some of the animations and, like just sometimes it's just a bit like batshit crazy and things, but I'm really excited to see what it looks like in Star Wars because I think it's it's going to be good. Like that dude with the lightsaber like umbrella thing where it was like spinning, like <laughs> that is just that is that is batshit, but that is meant that is unreal and it's going to look so good. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's such an interesting concept. Like, obviously, George was massively influenced by old Japanese samurai films when he made Star Wars, and now. It's sort of going full circle and now it's like Japanese culture is now getting another shot at Star Wars. So I think it's really interesting. <clears throat> I don't know much about anime. I've watched one anime show, which I like, but that's it. So I, I don't know a huge amount, but like the animation style in this trailer, like obviously there's so many different styles of animation because there's different studios, but all of it looks like breathtaking. Um, I think the storylines are just going to work really well. Like I know there's one of them, which is sort of like a, like an old Ronin wandering the deserts, basically. I think it's that the um, the one that's in black and white, which is a storyline you know that works with being a Jedi or being a Sith. So I think there's so, like so many storylines there that just naturally work in both Star Wars and sort of Japanese animation. Um, and then yeah, I just it just looks crazy, but I think that's good. Like it's going to be something different. They're not going to be held back by like canon where you know some weird force thing happens, and we're like, well, that that didn't happen in canon. It doesn't matter because it's yeah, this is just a this is like a, a retelling, a reimagining. It doesn't have to worry about breaking canon or anything. You know, do I want to see an umbrella lightsaber in canon? No, I don't. But do I want to see it in something? canon adjacent which you know doesn't need to worry about that absolutely so it looks really cool i particularly like the looks of the episode which is like the two i think they're siblings like fighting on top of like the star destroyer and there's that like really epic um like lightning duel that they're basically having and then she's got like the general grievous arms with like all the lightsabers i think that looked really cool but yeah all of it seems really interesting to me um animations yeah it looks bonkers i think it's just going to be good fun and i just think with because we're getting so much star wars now with the disney acquisition i think this will be good to keep it fresh i think you know there's always a worry of like oversaturation and things getting repetitive and personally i don't think that's ever going to happen with star wars because star wars can be so different and so many different things in the galaxy so huge and so many people have so many different interests within it but something which is just so new, so different, and I imagine probably going to be more than just this one-off. I imagine it might be a regular thing, like once a year or once every two years. I think it's really good for keeping the franchise alive and fresh. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I think one of the benefits of, Dis- of obviously having Disney um, behind Star Wars is obviously the money side of it. And I think being like secure with the money i suppose is like they can be a bit more adventurous with different things and like yeah we can tell different stories from like different parts of the world like have their take on star wars you know because i feel like again not that i know much about marketing and stuff but i feel like sometimes there's certain you know when companies are, are worried about like 
the money values and stuff, you know, they, they might not want to go to those parts of the world and test things out because, you know, they've got to spend a lot of money on like marketing and like, you know, like uh, test groups and things like that to find out what's going to make their money over there and like, you know, how they're going to get successful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, they, studios hate taking risks because it always, they always think that they take a risk and it's going to end badly. But if you look at anything that Marvel's done, you know, the bigger the risk they take, the more the payout. If you think about the likes of, you know, Black Panther and that sort of thing. And, you know, there's always going to be these 95 plus year old Hollywood dinosaurs who think, oh, we can't use this culture in this film or we can't stray away from having a white male protagonist. And, you know, these people have become irrelevant now. And we're actually getting some interesting representation of not just people, but cultures in sort of, mainstream stuff and i think disney are doing quite well for that and this this just looks really like a really good step towards showing something a bit more different than just the the american idea of star wars yeah exactly i mean i hope as the years go on you know they really go for it and like they they explore different stories from different parts of the world because i mean star wars is such a massive universe that you know and such a big franchise that you you can literally tell like any story you want with it and you can tell it in any, you know, culture's version of it that you want. You know, obviously we've all, you got used to like the American style, but you know, we can go to like Japan, you know, we can go to other parts of the world and get their versions on it. You know, it's just, I'm hoping that in years to come, you know, yeah, we get more variations on star Wars because star Wars is for everyone. And the more like Disney, I don't know, like aim to like broaden it, the more, fans are going to get and hopefully eventually you know there's going to be something for everyone across the world but everyone's going to have like their version of star wars that they can um relate to because i mean everyone i'm sure if you're a star wars fan you're a star wars fan you like star wars you like you know luke star wars or all that you like george lucas's star wars but it's nice to have something that you know you can relate to um as like you know part of your upbringing like you see similarities from your upbringing in like your in that version of Star Wars or that version or whatever, it's always nice to get that. So I'm, I'm hoping in years to come, Disney really. I'm hoping that this uh, animate this visions is um people appreciate it for what it is, you know, and they 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 enjoy it. So Disney can see that this is what people want to see, and then they can branch out with it and um take it to other parts of the world and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, and it's only fair, you know, Star Wars <laughs> borrowed from so many different cultures. Um, in its in its conception and creation by George, which is why it's such a phenomenon because it's borrowed from the Western, the samurai, the you know, so many different cultures. And I think it's only fair that we now get to a point where Star Wars is go works the opposite way and different cultures can now borrow Star Wars and tell their own stories. And you know, I just think it's great that, you know, there'll be you know, there'll be kids in Japan who have never watched or connected to a Star Wars film before who will watch Visions and this will be their first portal into star wars and i just think you know as george lucas has always said it's all about it's all about the kids you know reckon uh, recognizing themselves in star wars and you know it, it, there'll be a lot of kids around the world who won't recognize themselves in star wars yet and you know for some this might be their first window into star wars which is you know can never not be a positive yeah exactly i mean uh, just to go off Star Wars, like I mean, you know, the hype at the moment around like uh, Shang Chi, um, you know, having that representation, and the hype around Black Panther when that came out, you know, it's, it's, it's things that people want to see, and you know, it's nice that Disney are even like going like, okay, you can tell these they're not going to be canon because you know that would restrict your storytelling if that makes sense. So like, you can have you can do what you want in this aspect of it, and then it can be canon to like your part because you know i think if they tried to keep it i i think if they went to uh, these animation studios and anime studios in japan and was like you can do this but you need to tell this story in this way i think that wouldn't the story that came out of it wouldn't be as as good as um, i'm hoping that the ones that are coming out um when missions dropped you know that yeah. they have their reign and they have their freedom to do what yeah, they want in agree. their style yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was making a point there, but I, th- I think I have. <laughs> oh no, yeah, hundred percent. Because if you know, they just turn around and say, "Don't worry about canon because that's restrictive. Tell whatever story you want, 
And I think that's so much more in- interesting than, you know, this anime studio writing a bonkers Star Wars film and then story group getting a hold of it and saying, oh, this is so cool, but you can't really do this because this would break this moment in canon. You can't really do this because this would affect this. And Boba Fett was actually dead at this point in the timelines. So it would just be so restrictive. And I think for, yeah, I think we, we've, we've, we've basically covered it all. We're excited. <laughs> it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does look unreal. Um, when does it actually come out? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. End of September. I think it's like the 22nd or something like that. Oh, I say. nice. It's not that far away. I think, all, oh, I think it's all nine episodes are dropping at once. Um, mm. So it's just going to be something oh, available, good. available to stream. So I imagine we'll probably do like a couple episodes. And I think there's, there's nine episodes, um, you know, depending on the length of the episodes and how much there is to talk about, maybe do like three episodes, talking about three, like three podcast episodes, talking about three episodes each or something like that when it comes out, which would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm looking forward to that, actually. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I guess we just wanted to round out this episode with, there was a sort of a few other little bits of interesting news or just sort of updates on the world of Star Wars, we we had quite a few Disney Plus show updates. Um, I'm just sort of going to list off this news. It's not a huge amount to talk about with some of it, and then with some of it, there is quite a bit to talk about. So we'll just see what we're thinking. We found out that according to you know some publications, both Obi Wan Kenobi and Andor, the Disney Plus series, have both finished filming, which to me says they're going to be out next year when they were promised, which is good. It's all on schedule. Um, Andor, I'm excited about. I think that's going to be really good. But oh, just hearing that Obi Wan Kenobi is in the bag and they're editing it right now gets me so excited. I genuinely think I'm going to cry when I watch that trailer. Just, oh, I'm so excited for that show. Yeah, I mean that's going to be unreal. The fact, yeah, the fact that it's uh, editing at the moment. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they can get drop a trailer some point soon. Well, they've um, got, get they've, the yeah, they've got a Disney Plus day in November where they're doing like a live stream <clears throat> with oh. announcing loads of Disney Plus stuff and showing off, um, you know, trailers. I have a funny feeling we might get a first Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer there and the internet will just explode. <laughs> oh, nice. I'd be surprised if they didn't show us something at that point then. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's a few months away. If they've stopped filming then. They should have something by then, hopefully. For sure, for sure. Um, and then um, good old um, Carl Weathers, who is known for playing Grief Karga in The Mandalorian and also directing an episode of Mandalorian in season two. I think it was episode four was his episode. Anyway, he was interviewed and he let the cat out of the bag that Mandalorian season three is starting to film in September. So we're days away from this third season of Mandalorian starting to film which suggests to me that we're probably going to see the third season of The Mandalorian maybe this time next year, um, which I love The Mandalorian, so I cannot wait for a third season. Yeah, that'll be that'll be class. I feel like it drops. I feel like your Christmas vibe is when The Mandalorian dropped last year. I could be completely wrong. I think it started in October and finished by Christmas. I think it was like the sort of yeah. eight weeks from the end of October up to Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. feel like I remember getting hyped about Book of Boba Fett near Christmas. Although I could be completely wrong. I think but, Book, Book of Boba Fett starts this Christmas. Yeah. It's like it starts in December. Uh, that, yeah. That might be why. Well, that might be where I'm getting that vibe from. Yeah. So but, there's uh, like. There was obviously Mando season one was 2019, season two was 2020. There's no Mando season three in 2021. We're getting Book of Boba Fett instead. It's like they're calling it like basically a season two and a half, but more focused on Boba instead of Mando. And then next year we'll be back to Mando season three, which I imagine is going to deal with the fallout of him having the dark saber and all the stuff with Mandalore, which intrigues me a lot. So yeah, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be class. Like, oh. It'd be interesting to see where they go off with it now that yeah, Mando's Grogulous. Um, but oh unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm worth it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I don't know, I think it seems like they're gonna be tying in with Thrawn and all that sort of stuff across all these post-return of the Jedi shows. So I'm hoping that we're gonna get some um 
some Mandalore madness, some Thrawn inclusions and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it's exciting. Talking of Thrawn, um, the other little bit of news that we got is that the Ahsoka show, which is going to introduce us to a live action Thrawn and Ezra, is also looking for casting of a live action Sabine, Sabine Wren. Um, the Hollywood, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter, just like casually dropped it in an in an article when they're talking about Marvel's What If. <laughs> they just randomly put at the bottom like Ahsoka also casting Sabine Rem, which everyone was just like, "Oh my god, that's like a, a scoop." So um, I think we were all expecting at some point we'd see Sabine, and uh, particularly if the Ahsoka show is going to be sort of partly the search for Ezra. Um, but I'm glad that we've had the confirmation. I like Sabine. I'm looking forward to seeing her in live action. Not as much as I'm looking forward to seeing Ezra and Thrawn, obviously, because those are like my favourites, but big, big Sabine fan. So I'm excited, excited that they're casting. Mm. And you think they're going to, who do you want to play Sabine? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I almost don't mind if they don't do some big name casting and they just get someone who fits the role really well. Um, I don't know. Have you got any thoughts? What, what my first thought was um, the girl is playing Kate Bishop. Is it Haley Seinfeld? Oh, yeah, that's not bad. But that's not I bad. don't know if they'll use her for that as well, same as she is playing Kate Bishop. But yeah, that's, that was my first thought, to be honest. And yeah, then I do that, come up with a blank. I do get the impression just from animation style, I guess, that Sabine, I don't know if I'm completely wrong now. I would almost imagine them casting like a, like a Latino actress to play Sabine. I don't know if I'm completely wrong there. Um, that's sort of just the, the vibe I get, I guess. I mean, cast the right actor for the role, obviously, but you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't just, why it, there's no reason why it should just have to be some run of the mill white actress when you've got plenty of other actresses available. <laughs> yeah, true. I suppose you could, I mean, that's what they did with Miss um, Marvel, isn't it? They've, they've just like, Put, I suppose in this day and age, you know, you can put a cast and call out and take a lot more variety of actors and actresses than you could like 10, 15 years ago. Well, um, I think so. it was the, the reason it comes to my head is because Ezra in in Rebels is supposed to be sort of of like a Middle Eastern complexion. And then the actor that they have rumoured to have cast um, is a Middle Eastern actor. So I'm sort of had and then there's discussions about Kanan as well and whether if Kanan was cast in live action, you know, what race he would be and that sort of thing. So I also just don't imagine Sabine as a white girl. But mm-hmm. if it's the best actress, I don't mind either. But I'm just excited to see Sabine again. It'll be good. Yeah, we're nice for the reunion and well, the hopeful reunion of some of those iconic characters in the Ahsoka show. Um, I'm oh, excited God, to see yeah. where they go with that. Yeah, I'll I think be that, unreal, I think. that Ahsoka show is going to be a huge one for me. Like, I'm a massive Rebels fan. Um, Ezra is like one of my favorite characters ever. Thrawn is like my second favorite villain ever after Vader. Like, this is going to be a huge show for me. Um, and just seeing a Rebels reunion with, like Sabine, Ezra, Ahsoka, just Chuck Heron, Seb in there, just <laughs> just for me, please. <laughs> chopper, I want Chopper. I want all of it. Oh. That'd be great. I mean, we've already seen a live action chopper, so uh, they must have the model lying around somewhere. Exactly, but it was only the tiniest cameo. I want more. <laughs> I, want, more. I want him to. I want him to go. Wop, 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 wop. Yeah. I want to see some war crimes in live action. Um, and then the last little bit of news I had was I found this one very interesting. A bit of comic news that our man, our our favorite guy, Charles Soul. Is, is writing a five-issue miniseries, which is going to be a sequel to War of the Bounty Hunters, called Crimson Rain, all about Kira. Have you, have you seen this news? Very briefly. I'm not going to lie. Very briefly, I've seen this. Um, but in Charles' soul, we trust. Um, and to be honest, I've been really enjoying War of the Bounty Hunters. I think the next issue is not too far out, I don't think, off the top of my head. So um, um once he finishes it up, I'll, I'll probably have a bit more uh, to say about what I think that's going to be about. But, I mean, Charles Soule's not let me down so far. And it was a massive surprise when he brought back the character in War of the Bounty Hunters and, like, that crime syndicate because I think they were kind of left a bit up in the air. Um, 
after Solo. Mm, um, yeah, definitely. And like, and um, obviously after Clone Wars, and uh, then after Solo, they left a bit up in the air. So it's nice that Charles brought them back, and I'm excited one to see where it ends up in War of the Bounty Hunters, and obviously a sequel is always very exciting. So I'm very excited, very intrigued, should I say, to see where he takes that. Yeah, he he said in the interview that when he pitched War of the Bounty Hunters and his whole concept for, you know, the in-between Empire and Return of the Jedi story, he originally pitched it as a trilogy. So like War of the Bounty Hunters being like the first stage in the trilogy, being more focused on Boba Fett, the second being Crimson Reign, you know, where Kira more takes the focus. And then the third miniseries or whatever, still TBA to be announced. Um, so it's clear that Charles Soule has a big plan. Clearly the, the story group and everyone there approves of it because they've they've given him the, the, the go-ahead to do this next series. And it starts in November, which is very exciting. It's going to be very focused on Kira and Crimson Dawn, which, you know, I'm keen on that. I'm looking forward to. But the also very interesting thing that I spotted is on the cover of the comic, the character Ren from the Rise of Kylo Ren comics <clears throat> is on that cover. So that's going to be interesting to see how he plays a part in it and whether Crimson Dawn and the Knights of Ren end up being in some way connected. Oh, I haven't actually seen the cover, so um, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, I mean, that actually sounds very interesting. Uh, and I trust in Charles Soule to, if he does cross over those two like storylines of Knights of Ren and Crimson Dawn and stuff, I'm sure he'll do a very good job with it. Um, and it will feed in very nicely to what we've seen so far from both of those crime syndicates or like character groups, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I have absolute faith in Charles So I, I think he completely gets Star Wars um, in a way that not that many writers in the grand scheme of the world do. Um, I think for me personally, between him and Kevin Scott, they're my two favourite writers working in Star Wars at the moment in publishing. Um, I think he's incredibly talented. I love what he's doing with start of the current Star Wars run. Um, the War of the Bounty Hunters, I'm loving. Obviously, his Vader comic is like the best comic of like the last decade, in my opinion. And, you know, various other stuff he's done, the Poe Dameron. I- I've loved all his work and Light of the Jedi. Um, so, yeah, I'm just very excited to see this next sort of chapter in this intriguing little crime syndicate kind of solo sequel story um so yeah looking forward to it yeah and i mean pretty much to sum up there is a lot to look forward to <laughs> in the next coming months of star wars <laughs> yeah that I definitely mean, sums up well there is a lot to look forward to yeah i mean i'm sure we could probably actually sit here and talk for a good another hour about lots of other little um, announcements and teases and what we think is going to come up. So, but we, but we won't bore you to death. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just nice to see that Star Wars is we are currently in a golden age of Star Wars. I mean, you know, there was there was a time in our lives with when there was quite a Star Wars drought. Um, I think probably between, I think it was before the sequels. You know, there wasn't wasn't much happening uh, for Star yeah, Wars. So yeah. it's nice to see that we literally have got something coming out it seems like every month so mm-hmm. thank you disney exactly exactly it's uh it's, it's a good time to be a fan for sure right so that about wraps up our sort of news updates and state of the galaxy of star wars at the moment um episode of the podcast i hope you enjoyed it um we'll be back next week talking about more star wars I haven't haven't planned an episode yet next week, so you'll just have to wait and see. It'll be a surprise one. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we're talking about next week. We've got our, our book club is ongoing, which if you did miss it, we're, we're going to be talking about Master and Apprentice in three weeks' time or so. We'll see how it goes. It's typically every month. So, you know, I haven't started reading it yet, and I don't think John has either. So we'll just see how we're going. But three to four weeks, you can expect an episode on that. Um, and then you can expect some stuff about visions as well when it eventually comes out. So um, lots of stuff to look forward to on our podcast. Yeah, lots of exciting things to come. Um, I haven't actually started Master and Apprentice yet. 
I'm not going to lie, but I am very excited to get into it and talk about it on the book club in three to four weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, my reading list at the moment is scaring me because I'm just nearly finished out, out of the shadows and then the Tempest Runner High Republic audio drama drops in like two days, which I'm going to get on Audible and listen to and then probably start a Master and Apprentice after that. So I've got <laughs> books on books on books at the moment. But, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a good problem to have when there's so much good Star Wars to read and watch and play or not play until spring 2022. Yeah, I mean, definitely first world problems. There's too much, too much Star Wars to um, ingest and I'm all here. I'm here for it. it it's the pinnacle of privilege it's the, that we're complaining that there's too much Star Wars to, to get through. <laughs> Very true. Um, right. So yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow us on our podcast whatever podcast apps you use whether it's spotify apple Podcasts, make sure you follow us so you the new episodes download every week we have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to if you head over to our twitter and scroll down a few tweets you'll find the link there and just put your email in and we send a newsletter out every week just sort of similar to what we've done on this episode really just a bit of update of the news what new stuff has come out in that week whether it's comics books coloring in books tv episodes etc anything which is new that week um so yeah subscribe to that if you're interested and then we're on instagram at live from vader's castle and twitter at vader's castle pod and tiktok because we're young whippersnappers at live from vader's castle pod i think so follow us on all that stuff for plenty of star wars goodness and that's it from me is that everything from you, John? It is. So um, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Yep. See you next week. <laughs>